Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. I believe that it's good every once in a while and to sort of uh, recalibrate your life, right? And, um, you know, in life, we always like to do that right around the first of the year, don't we? So if you're still in gym memberships, it's a great time for you, right? Because, you know, everybody's going to be coming in the door, signing up. Because they've, they've recalibrated and they said, you know, I need to exercise, right? And so they recalibrate. They go, oh, I need to exercise. I, haven't, uh, I didn't uh, do any exercise last year. Anyway, so we should recalibrate spiritually too, right? And so what do we need to do? We need to begin to line up our lives to where we're going to grow and be strong in the coming year, right? So we have some faith declarations and I'd encourage you Every day this year, and you say every day, well, you do what you feel like you need to do, but I think it won't take but about a minute. And I just, I would read these out loud, particularly ones that you feel like you need. You can highlight the ones that you feel like, man, that just feeds me. I, that, that confession, that declaration right there does something good to me, gives life to me, sort of builds me up. Okay. So, and I want to say all these declarations come out of what we've been learning. They're all out of this story that we've been learning about uh, Peter and the fish. <laughs> you remember how, how uh, they'd fished all night and um, they gave up? After they gave up, that's when God came through and we saw increase. So we've seen principles of increase that are in the Word of God that are so clearly there if you look for them. We've seen principles of transformation in that same story, right? And you also get to the point, which we'll get to a little bit today, is how uh, the new vision that God has, right? Because God didn't want us just to be where we were. He's always got something new for us, and God will bring us into something new. Amen? All right. Well, let's go through these declarations. All right, this first one. I will put no confidence in myself, my abilities, or my strengths. Now, let me just say just a minute. A lot of people think that is a bad confession because you're supposed to be confident, right? But the Bible has something better than that. You see, if it's, you're just a natural man, that's the best you can have. But when you're serving the Lord, God calls you to something higher than that. As a matter of fact, you putting confidence in yourself will hold you back. That will be your limitation right there, you see? So you need to declare... I will put no confidence in myself, my abilities, or my strengths. My confidence is in the Lord who always strengthens me and enables me to do whatever I need to do. Amen? You need to confess that every day. Philippians 3. It says there, we are not, excuse me, it says, we are those who believe and who put no confidence in the flesh, we don't put confidence in our natural strengths. We don't put confidence even in our God-given gifts. Okay? Now, God will use your gifts. God will use those as tools. But you can't trust in them. <clears throat> now, this is difficult for most of us to separate having a gift 
that's being used as a tool and realizing that it works, but not trusting in that gift. Y'all see what I'm saying? You've got to be able to recognize it's a tool, but you've got to quit trusting in it. I mean, it's, it's a crazy thing, right? Jeremiah 9.23 says this, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither the mighty man glory in his strength, nor the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glories glories in this, glory in this, that he understands and knows the Lord. Your strengths don't impress God. Your abilities don't impress God. You know what impresses God? The one that knows Him and trusts in Him. That's the one that God's going to help. Right? So, as much as we are wired in our culture to think about all our strengths, and yes, get trained, yes, develop your gifts, but it takes work to pry your attention off of them and trust God. I love what Paul said. We work, we labor, but God brings the increase. He had learned not to trust in all his knowledge. You remember that one time he goes, when I came to you, brethren, I decided not to trust at all in my knowledge, but in the power of God to minister to you. Man, I think if anybody could convince somebody that Jesus is who he is, it would have been Paul. He knew everything about that, didn't he? And he goes, I'm not even trusting in that. I am just trusting in God to go way beyond what I know, not what I can do of myself. And then what happened? God used his gift, but it was just a tool. Amen? This is hard for people to understand, you see? Anyway, and sometimes God will pull that thing away from you <laughs> to teach you. Sometimes he'll make it so that your gifts don't work or they don't have an outlet. Any of you ever been in a situation like that or what you thought worked and what you've got, it doesn't work anymore. Is that not true? You ever had that happen? <clears throat> you know God did that to Moses? Moses is like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. What does he do? I am called to be the deliverer. And I am smart. I feel it. I feel power. God's trained. Look where God's put me. Man, I am here strategically and I can get the job done. And he goes to set Israel free. Because he's called. God's with him, he thinks, right? And God is with him. But the problem is, he doesn't understand. He's looking to himself. He thinks he's looking to God. You see, this is, this is something that is so key we have to understand. How often we think we're looking to God, but we're really looking to ourselves. And how do you know you're, you're looking to yourselves? You won't know until that doesn't work anymore and you get all upset because what you've been trying doesn't work anymore. That's when you begin to realize you've been looking to yourself. You see what I mean? Are y'all with me? We get it all mixed up and we think we've got faith and we can make it happen. 
I'm just saying God wants to separate your faith in you and your talent and your ability from faith in God. And sometimes I'd say like 100% of the time, our faith in God is wrapped up with our faith in ourselves and we don't even realize it. So what happens? Moses, who thinks God's with him, and he is, he's going, I am gifted, I am talented. And what does he do? He goes to deliver Israel, and, and he kills what? One man, one enemy, one person, out of hundreds of thousands. And then he has to run from his life, for his life. That's, that didn't even help. You understand? It did, what he did didn't do one bit of good. They replaced that one guy the next day. Boom. And, and Moses is off in the wilderness. But guess what's happening to Moses in that wilderness? He is gifted. He's talented. He's trained. But he can't do a thing. Sometimes God will let you be in a place where it looks like nothing you do with work. You might get upset. You might look around and get upset at people. You might get upset at yourself. You might go, life's not fair. This should have never happened to me. Why don't you start looking and thinking, maybe God's doing something in your life. Maybe God has got you where you are to teach you to stop looking to what you thought was going to work. Moses was so talented. He had so much trust in himself. But then he goes, and nothing's working. Nothing's happening. He's on the backside of the desert, tending sheep. And he can't do a thing with his vision. God gave him to deliver Israel. He can't use one skill he's developed hardly with those sheep. He has nobody to talk to except the sheep out there. He has no one, you, you know, he doesn't have books out there to read. All he can do is think and talk to God. And you know what God's doing? God's using that time when he's there with those sheep to break Moses. For Moses doesn't trust in himself anymore. And you know what? It took, I believe fully, it took Moses 40 years. And by the time 40 years was over, guess what happens? God's going, hmm, he's ready. He is ready. He's a broken man, doesn't trust in himself anymore. He thought he could do it, Right? And then he goes and he visits Moses. You remember that? He's in a, in a bush that burns and doesn't burn up. So they all look. I mean, he looks, he turns and looks. And when he turns and looks, God speaks to him. Anyway, God's going, okay, Moses, it's time. Now, now look at this. What, you remember what Moses said? Oh, no, Lord, who am I? Who am I? How are you going to send me? Look at the difference here. 
He is one guy that I'm going to make it happen. God and I, we're going to make it happen. But he's really trusting in himself. Now, all of his self-confidence is broken. You see, something we don't like to get right there because I am telling you, it's a painful place to get your confidence in yourself broken because between that place of not trusting in yourself and trusting in God, just like feelings of hopelessness because you're having to let go of what you've been trusting in. You see? And so God comes and he goes, Moses, I'm going to, it's time. I'm going to use you now. Go and do what I say and deliver Israel. And what does Moses go say? Oh, that's what I've been waiting for. Uh-uh. He's like, oh no, God, send somebody else. Why does he say that? Because he doesn't trust himself anymore. But the problem is he hasn't learned to trust God. You see, he's thinking, if God's not going to do it through my talents and through my ability and through what I have, <laughs> he can't do it. And I, I don't trust in myself anymore. God, I don't have any way you can do it anymore. I thought you could do it before because I used to think I was this and I was that. And I, now that I'm not that, oh, God, you can't do it anymore because I don't have that. I realize now I can't trust in that anymore. And God's like, I don't even need that. Don't you see? I don't even need that. In fact, this is where I wanted you to be, where you're not trusting in that anymore. You don't need that anymore. Stop looking to you anymore. I don't want you to look to you anymore. That is the next hard thing. We look to ourselves and we go, oh God, I can't do it. Man, I want to just say that's a hard thing to get to that place. But every one of us need to get there if you want to go forward with God. You've got to get to the place where you look at yourself and you go, and you know what? It might feel bad because a lot of your hope and excitement has been in what you think you can do. Right? But then guess what? You see, that's a process sometimes. Sometimes it takes more than a day. You've got to go through some things sometimes. You've got to Dump your toe sometimes. You've got to be in situations sometimes where things don't work. I hate to even say that, but that just happens sometimes because God's got something bigger in mind for you. And the only way He can get you there is to get you out of the way. <laughs> I love that. He'll use those tools. You know, He used what He gave Moses, but Moses never trusted in Him. He never trusted in them. In fact, even after Moses started obeying the Lord, you know what? You know what happened? He got, God didn't always come through the way he thought. But he learned, I've got to trust in God. You see, even when God uses you, there's going to be some things that don't turn out the way you thought they would. Moses goes to him. Finally, I mean, he shows Moses a few miracles. Finally, he gets Moses to go. Moses starts doing what God tells them to do. And guess what happens first? The magicians are doing the same thing he's doing. You think about that. Did y'all know that? I think it's the first four miracles. The magicians do them too. By the way, how you love those Christians who don't believe in anything supernatural? You know what I mean? That's the craziest kind of Christian to me. I mean, after God created the world, after God made Adam there, after God 
impregnated a virgin with His Spirit. I mean, think about all of that. And you don't believe in the supernatural? And you look at this story. These magicians with their demonic power don't go witches don't have... You understand what I'm saying? Don't act like that's not true. These witches with their demo, these, or um, magicians with their demonic power did the first four miracles that uh, Moses did. I mean, would you not be going by now going, oh my, my, I thought this stuff was going to really work. And then, and then what happens? Of course, after a while, he did more than the magicians could have done. And the magicians are scratching their head and they went to Pharaoh and they said, this is the hand of God. This is, this is way beyond what we got. But then what happens? <clears throat> Pharaoh makes things worse for the people Moses went to deliver. I just, I don't even know why I got in this part of the story. It just came to my mind. But you just think about that. Moses gets going, doing what God tells him to do. He's trusting in God now. He's stepping out. And things get worse. I just want to say, guys, your faith will never have a resting place where you don't have to go deeper. You get your breakthrough, you don't trust yourself anymore. Then the next breakthrough, you learn to trust in God. You learn to step out. Then the next breakthrough, you learn to not be discouraged when things don't work, even after you did what God told you to do. Because you know, eventually, it's going to work. That's why you don't give up. That's what God did in Moses. That's exactly what God does in us. Don't you think those stories are, oh, well, he's Moses. His story is for us. This story about Peter's for us. Peter knew, now Peter's like, this is like a little short lesson where there's a lot of teachings in it, right? But Peter knew he couldn't catch any fish that night. He'd given up in all of his abilities. Oh, he, he's, he knows how to fish. He knows how to cast the net. Right? He knows where to go. But he had no confidence in that. And when he knew he could catch no fish and, had, and he was even telling Jesus, Jesus, there's no way, but because you said it, that's when God came through for him. You see? I tell you, God likes for you to come to a place where you don't have any more confidence in yourself because that's the only place you're going to get your greatest miracles. So you make a declaration this year. I shall put no confidence in myself, my abilities, or my strengths. My confidence is the Lord alone is in the Lord alone, who always strengthens me and enables me and comes through for me. Amen. Second thing I'd encourage you to say this year, and just and as you're saying this, just enter into it, right? I declare God is faithful. And I shall reap from every good thing I have ever sown. Therefore, I will not grow weary in doing good because I absolutely know blessing is going to come back to me in God's timing. Amen. Y'all remember Peter sowed his boat to the Lord? And he reaped, he reaped a whole boatload of fish, didn't he? Same, right, just, like, just like that as the illustration. What does it say in Galatians 6? Don't be deceived. Guys, let me just tell you, that's so important. Do not be deceived. We use this verse 
in the negative sense all the time. Don't be deceived. You're going, if you do something bad, it's coming back. That's true. Right? There's a verse in, I believe it's Numbers. Um, don't be deceived. Your sin's going to find you out. You know what that says is? What that says? It's coming back to you. You can't run away from it. What you've sown, you're going to reap in that way. Right? That's why you don't have to worry about Oh, God, I wish you that person. Oh, don't you even worry about it. God has his timing and everything. That's not your business. You let God deal with that, right? But the good side, there's a good side about this too. Don't be deceived about the good side either. Don't be thinking that you're not going to reap good because that's what he said. Don't be deceived. Those that have sown to God shall reap. And you've got to be solid in your heart about it. You've got to know every good thing I've done unto God is coming back to me. You go, oh, I, some people, this so religious, or you shouldn't expect to receive anything from God because, you know, that's not the right attitude. No, the Bible says, when you give to a man, don't you receive, expect to get back from him. But God always tells you, he's going to give you back. If you don't expect to receive back from God, that means you think he's a liar. You know what I mean? If your dad were to tell you, go do this and I'll give you that. And, the, and your friend goes, oh, don't expect your dad to do what he told you because, you know, that'd be wrong. That doesn't make sense, does it? You say, oh, no, I, can, I know my dad's going to do that and it's a joy. I'd do it even if he didn't do it, but this just gives me all the extra joy to do it knowing he's going to bless me. And that's what it says here. Don't be deceived. The one who sows to the Spirit will reap from the Spirit. Let's not grow weary in doing good because in due season, you know you'll reap. He's saying the knowledge of knowing you are definitely, absolutely going to get back for everything you've ever sown. Good to God. It's coming back to you. God's not going to forget one little tiny thing. Is that not amazing? It's coming back. Now, the reason why he says this, think about it. He says, don't be deceived don't get, and, and get weary because it's coming into season, right? This tells me somebody has been sowing good and they've not been reaping, right? That's why he said this. They're probably wondering, maybe, maybe this doesn't work. Mm. Maybe, maybe I'm going a little overboard with this giving or serving or whatever it is you're doing unto the Lord. Whatever good things you're doing. Maybe, maybe this praying, maybe this praying I'm doing, I don't know if I'm really going to get, you know, if it's really blessed to do it. Does God really bless this? He's going, he's, he knows when he's saying this, some people have been sowing and they've not been reaping. And you have to put on the end of that sentence, yet. Because Paul knows they will if they don't give up. Right? So that's what he's telling them. Don't give up. You know, sometimes I've had, I was talking about this with somebody today. I think it was with Lisa. I've had seasons. Man, I invest in people, pour myself into people. And, you know, sometimes I just, they'll get breakthroughs, come out of sin get some issues, 
And then, and then, boom, you just go, you invest, you invest, you invest, boom, nothing. You invest, you invest, you invest, nothing. You invest, you invest, you invest, nothing. <laughs> or little, right? And then I remember this verse. And I absolutely know wherever I've sown, however I've sown unto the Lord, I shall reap back in due season. Amen. And I'll encourage every single one of you in that. Don't get discouraged. Don't stop sowing just because it looks like, oh, I'm, this isn't bringing back any fruit. This is, you do what God wants you to do. God will reward you at the right time and it's going to be pressed down, shaken together and running over when it comes. It's going to be good. And I, I do want to encourage all of you guys here. I know, I just know the way things work. Those of you that have been serving the Lord, you've been serving, I can guarantee you there's some things you've been given extra on you haven't reaped from yet. I just want to encourage you. Your day is coming. Your day's coming. God has not forgotten you. He just smiles every time that you keep on sowing. Amen. So declare, I declare God's faithful. I shall reap from every good thing I've ever sown. Third thing, you declare, the word of God is my food. It speaks to me. It transforms me. It directs me. It gives me life. I dedicate myself today to search out, to hear, and to do the Word of God. So, one day I, I remember <clears throat> I was sitting up in a room upstairs and I was, I was so hungry for God. I just kept thinking, God, I want more of you. God, I want more of you. Oh, God, show me more of you. God, bring more of you to me, Lord. Somehow, I don't know, I just feel so hungry for you today. And I prayed, I don't know how long I prayed. And then after a while, I got in the Word. I was there so hungry that day, prayed, God, God, give me more of you. And then after almost like feeling like, man, I feel like I'm just so hungry. I mean, I, I want God to fill that up. And then later I got into the Word and I'm going, oh man, this is good. Let me just tell you, when you get in the Word, you don't have, you're not in a speed reading contest. You know, people that go, I read the Word of God in a year. I said, I, I want to say, yeah, I bet you didn't get a thing out of it. <laughs> you know, and I bet you read some of those verses with all these, somebody begot somebody. I bet you don't eat, you didn't even read it. You just went, you know what I mean? Anyway, when you get in the Word, it's not about a speed reading contest. It's just to get, oh, get Jesus out of it. You know, Jesus said he's the word. He's the word. That's so mysterious. But when you read the word and it gets into you, God is getting into you. That's a great mystery. It's a great mystery. But when you feed on the word, you're feeding on God. You're feeding on Christ. Man, we ought to all be in there. And don't, when you go to the Word, what do you want? You, somebody said it this way, you want an encounter with Christ when you get in the Word. I read something yesterday out of this, uh, my utmost for His highest, right? It was the greatest devotional, in my opinion. I just love it. And he said something like this, if you know the Scriptures more than you know Christ, there's something wrong there. <laughs> That's a real deep thought, isn't it? <laughs> 
See, Scripture is supposed to bring you into an encounter with God. All right? That's so powerful. So, so powerful. Anyway, so I got in the Word. I was getting in the Word. And when I, when I finished my Word time, I'm going, oh, man, I feel so satisfied. And I was remembering how hungry I was. And I was praying, God, fill me. Fill me with the Word. And, I mean, fill me with your presence. Fill me with your... And I, and yes, I've had that happen many times, but I just kept being so hungry for God that day. And then, and then when I finished, I go, oh, God just did it. He did it through His Word. God fed me God through His Word. And I was full of God on the inside when I finished my Word time. But that happens all the time. But because of the way it happened that day and what I'd been praying, it was just so clear and obvious to me. Are y'all with me? So... Get in that Word. It's amazing what the Word will do. But you have to take the time to get into it. It won't do you any good. I remember I got a job from one time, and I'm going, this guy, I'm, it was a sales job, and I felt like something was a little unscrupulous, and I went to talk to the guy about it, the, the manager. I'm like, hey, I, I can't be doing that. Something like that. I, I don't remember the exact thing that was going on. And he goes, and he gets this big Bible about that big, off of his thing, he says, you see this? You see You see how I, I honor the Bible? And I'm like, hey, it doesn't matter if you got a, a, a Bible in your shelf or on your table. It needs to be in here, amen? <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> 12, Romans 12, 2, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. Guys, think about this. You ever go, man, I wish I was different. Man, I wish I was different. I wish I didn't have this problem. I wish I wasn't. You know, some of the things, there's nothing wrong. We just are, we feel insecure. But other things, there's things God wants to change. The Bible says you can be transformed. How? Just by getting that word to change your mind. In fact, he says, if you don't do that, you are naturally going to do what? Who knows the rest of that verse? If you're not transformed by the Word, you're going to be conformed to the world. What's the world? I like this explanation. Watchman, he says, the world is the devil's kingdom. God has his kingdom, and the devil has his kingdom, and it's called the world. Oh, wow, that's a, that's a great explanation. The devil's kingdom will influence you if you don't have a continual interjection of the Word of God in your mind, right? And it says, be transformed. You see, you've already been influenced by so much junk, fear, doubt, sinful things. You know what I mean? The Word of God transforms you. How does it do that? By getting it in your mind, washing your mind from the old ways of thinking, and you got the new ways in there, amen? And it says this in Ephesians, it says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. How do you get the spirit of your mind renewed? By the Word of God, right? So if the spirit of the Word, if the spirit of my mind is changing, the spirit of my mind is being renewed, you know what that makes me? Sensitive to God. When I get the Word of God in me, what's it, what's it, it starts changing. It's transforming me. My, mind, my thoughts are changing, but the spirit of my mind is changing. 
And I started going, oh, oh, God, oh, thank you for breaking that off. Oh, Lord, I never, I, oh, I see that, God. I saw that 10 years ago, but I'm seeing it afresh because somehow the wrong thinking came back. Oh, man, God, this is good. I'm renewing my mind. And guess what's happening? You're, you're coming in tune with the Word of God. The spirit of your mind is changing, and now you can hear God more clearly. That's what we were talking about. I believe one of the reasons why Peter went back into the water when he didn't want to is because he just listened to Jesus preach for who knows how long. And he was under that going, oh, oh God, oh, that was good. Oh, did that minister to you? You know, John's going, oh, yes, that really hit me. And then Jesus goes, go out there and cast your net. Isn't that mindset he had? And Peter goes, I don't want to, but because you say he'd been in the Word. Hey, are you, you see what I'm saying? Get in the Word. It's so key to your life. So declare this year, the Word of God is my food. You should just declare this and shout it out every day. It speaks to me. It transforms me. It directs me. The Word of God gives me life. I dedicate myself today to search it out and to hear the Word of the living God. Okay, this next thing, the fourth thing, fourth declaration. Um, God always gives me wisdom when I ask Him for it. You need to say that. You need to believe it. You know, most people are all distraught because they don't think they know what to do in life. Right? Oh, what should I do? Where should I go? What should I do? You should make this declaration so boldly. God always gives me direction when I seek Him for it. So I'll seek Him and do what He says and I shall be blessed and prosper in everything I put my hands to. Amen? I was thinking about George Washington Carver the other day because David mentioned him to me. And uh, he told me some things that, that I hadn't heard about him. But you know what? George Washington Carver, y'all know what he's for. He, he was good at, right? He came up with all these uses for the peanut. And... Um, I've heard this many times, this part of the story where uh, he, he went before Congress uh, to testify and whatnot, and they asked him, how did he come up with all these ideas? And he said, he said, I go to God every day and I ask him what he wants me to do, and I just do it. Is this that clear? And David was sharing some testimonies about how he got in certain situations, and he would say, I'll give you the answer, like next week. And he didn't have the answer. He, like he, whether it's about the peanut or whatever, and he'd go to God in prayer and he'd say, God, I need this answer right here. And he'd start asking him for that. And it was, it was miraculous how God would answer him. Now, what did he do? He developed a confidence that he could ask God for direction and that he was going to get it. Did you know that's for every single one of us? James says, if you ask God for wisdom, which means direction too, right? You need to know what to do. He will give to you, and He'll give it liberally. Amen? But it says, but believe you're going to get it. Most people haven't developed a lifestyle of trusting that God is going to give them what they're asking of Him when they're asking for wisdom. God says, if you ask, just believe it. So anyway, you have to ask. you got to believe you're going to get it. Then you got to do what He says. I'll just mention these verses here. Luke 6 says, He who comes to me, Come, you got to come to me, and here's my words, and does them. That man's going to do well in what he does, right? 
In Psalm 1, how blessed is the man who delights in the word of the Lord. He meditates on it night and day. He's going to be prospering. He's going to be like a tree planted by rivers of water. He's going to yield fruit. His leaf's not going to wither. And guess what? He's going to prosper in whatever he does. Amen. God says that if you will get into the word of God and do what it says. And how are you going to do that? You got to, you got to seek him for wisdom. Honestly, if you seek God, how many of you need uh, direction right now? Two of you do. Good. I bet you all of you do. Or at least 90% of you do. God's promised to give it to you if you ask him. He didn't promise to give it to you if you worry about it. Think about that. What happens when you need wisdom? What do you do? I ask you personally, think about it. What do you do when you need wisdom? What do you do when you're in a pickle? You start worrying about it? You go home and start thinking about it? Or do you go, hmm, I need to go to God and ask him for this because he said he gave me wisdom. Faith rises up over the worry and it goes, God said he'd give me wisdom. I'm just going to ask him. And if I don't get it today, I'm just going to keep knocking at the door because he said knocking, the door's going to be open. I'll get it. Amen. Fifth thing, I declare I could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I shall never give up or back up because I know I'm destined to overcome in life. You should say that every day. I declare I can do all things through Christ. You know, we have struggles all the time, don't we? We need to declare this every day. God strengthens me. I'll never give up or back up because I know I am destined to overcome in this life. That's what the Word of God says. What happened with Peter? Peter was tired. You all remember that story again we, that we were going through the last few weeks? Peter was tired. Peter wanted to give up. Peter didn't want to go back anymore. But guess what? That is exactly the very place <clears throat> where he got his breakthrough. When he got up, when he didn't want to get up, and kept going forward. Now, y'all ever hear this verse? It's in Daniel 7.25. It says, Satan wears out the saints of the Most High. Satan wears out the saints of the Most High. You know what that's saying he likes to do? He likes to wear you out, make you tired, exhaust you, make you discouraged, make you depressed. He realizes that's one of the greatest things he can do is just to wear you out. Where are you out with worry? Where are you out with troubles? Where are you out with another situation? Right? We all get tired and we all can get weary. But that's when we've got to realize, you know what? Though I'm tired, though I'm weary, though I want to give up and go home and go to bed and I don't want to fish anymore, God will strengthen me and whatever I need to do, I'm going to do it. He'll strengthen me. He'll empower me. He'll give me wisdom. He'll give me direction. And I'm going to prosper. Amen? Anyway, that's what we need to do. And I was just to say, you're going to get your greatest breakthroughs whenever you decide, I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to give up. I've, I've been through this so many times in life. You know, I can remember, man, when I was preaching faith about, I don't know, 30, 25, 30 years ago, Man, preaching faith, I'd feel the anointing of God on me. i feel the grace, the gift of God flowing through me. Oh, man, and man, I also thought, man, I'm a man of faith. I can preach this thing. I know what I'm talking about. But then trials came bigger than I'd ever had before. <laughs> right? And then you go, oh. George Mueller says, I became a man of faith only because I went through big trials because that's the only place you'll ever learn faith. 
I wish that weren't true. I wish that weren't true, but it is. But anyway, then what I had preached, I had to learn. I had to get it on the inside of me. And sometimes I just want to go, God. But, but in that moment, I kept learning. And I learned how to strengthen myself. I learned how to have faith when the natural hope was gone, you see. I believe every single one of us has to do that. Sixth thing, when I see God I, that you can say, when I seek God, I find Him. So I'm going to seek Him today, and I'm going to find Him, and I'm going to enjoy what I find. I'm going to be blessed when I find God. How many of you know that, you know, it says in Hebrews that he who seeks the Lord must believe that He is and that He's the God that rewards those that seek Him. How does He reward those that seek Him? One way is they're going to find Him. Amen? You have a promise from God that if you seek Him, you will find Him. And I'm not just talking about salvation. How big is God? How big is God? How much of that do you know? That much. Even those of you who are saved, maybe. You know what I'm saying? That much? When He says, if you seek Me, you'll find Me, it's a, there's a lot more to be found than what most people are believing for. There's a whole lot more. And how are you going to find it? Oh, just floating around. Oh, just doing my own life. No, you've got to be serious about this. He, Jeremiah 29, 13, if you seek me with all your heart, you're going to find me. God loves to reveal himself to you. But you see, we don't have that in our mind. We're not even thinking that way. We're just thinking He's just going to help us in life and show up sometimes. No, God loves for us to seek Him. I love that little story in the Song of Solomon where, where it's, it's really a, a, a picture of Christ in the church where the man knocks on the door representing Christ and she goes and answers the door and he's gone. And she goes, oh, my heart goes out. I have to go find Him. You see? And that's an illustration for us. God knocks at the door. And then what does He do? He runs away, sort of. What I mean is, what I'm saying is, He gives us a hunger, but then we have to turn that direction and seek Him and, and to go find Him. And you know in that other place, in Revelation 3, He goes, here I am knocking at the door. If you just come and open the door, I would come and fellowship with you. They were too busy having church and didn't invite Jesus in. Isn't that a crazy story? And he says, I'm at the door knocking, and they're just having the most fun in there without Jesus. And I think we can be the same way, enjoying life, all of this and that, getting all wrapped up in the football game, getting all wrapped up in the next pair of shoes I'm going to buy, or the next, whatever it is that you are going to buy, right? All of my shoes are about to look the same now. I don't get excited about that anymore. But I'm just saying, we can get so wrapped up in all this life, we forget to enjoy Him. He's like, I'm there at the door. If you want more of me, I'm right there. I'll come on in. But you got to go to the door, open the door, and you got to seek me. Amen? So you need to make a confession. You need to realize He's there if I want Him. If you want God, you need to make this confession. This needs to be on your mind. It needs to be on your mind. 
When I seek God, I find Him. So today, I'm going to seek God. You can pray this prayer. You can look it up in Ephesians 1. It says, that, and I'm, I've taken it where Paul was praying for somebody to making it your prayer. God, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And this, was, this is what Paul is praying. And you know, he goes, I'm praying this over you, this church. He wasn't just praying, God, prosper them. I mean, I believe in that. I, I believe in those things. But I'm just saying, that's so superficial compared to what the foundation ought to be in the church now, right? And Paul's like, this is the prayer more than any other thing I want for you guys, that, you're, that you would have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. Think about that. And that your eyes would be open. These are believers. These are people who are serving God and Paul's praying, God, open up their eyes so that they can know you. They already, you know how many Christians are like, oh, I already know him. No. Paul's like, God, give them more. God, open up their eyes. Let them see. Let them see. That they might know the greatness of your calling on their lives. That they'll know the riches of the glory that come from the privilege of being your inheritance. We are God's inheritance. And because of that, the Bible says we have so many privileges. He's going, oh, open their eyes and let them see it, oh God. And give them a deep understanding of the surpassing greatness of the power toward everybody who believes. Man, think, are y'all with me? We need to yearn after this kind of experience in the church. We need to yearn for more of Jesus, for our hearts to be open, for our minds to be open, for the revelation to come on, you see, for the, an experience with God greater than where we've been. The only way the church is going to go forward is to have a new encounter with who Jesus is. And I guarantee you, that's what Jesus is doing, part of it, before this new move of God is getting ready to come on the earth. There's a the people who are going, God, I want you. I don't care about stuff. Yes, bless me with stuff. But if you don't bless me with stuff, I, if I have to choose between the two, give me you. Give me the things of God. Give me the blessings of God. Give me the knowledge of Christ. Give me the power of God. Give me the understanding of how to help people get set free. May the presence and the fragrance of Christ be with me everywhere I go and bring that to whoever would, would receive of it. You see, that's what we ought to have. Amen? Next, I'll go quickly here. I shall humble myself before God, and I know God will raise me up as I do. You know what? Don't be slow to confess your faults, your sins. Don't hide. You know, how many times, you know what our knee-jerk reaction is whenever we do something wrong? Oh, I, I didn't do it. God goes to Adam, hey, you sinned. Uh, she, she, she made me do it. Don't we do that? God's like, when you confess your sin, it's over. And move on. But how many times we wait confessing? I mean, excuse me, excusing, pointing the finger at somebody else. And you know what else too? Sometimes God wants to deal with some kind of character issue in us. And if we see somebody else living worse than we are, we'll say, but they live, everybody else is living like that. Nobody else is doing it. Nobody else is doing it. We compare ourselves to everybody else rather than what God says, you see. 
God's like, when I speak to you, humble yourself. Humble yourself. Confess it. Acknowledge it. And move on. Y'all remember this example? All of this comes out of our story. Remember Peter? God, I'm a sinner. Oh, God, good. Okay, thank I really, mm, that's good. Come on. What? That's it. That's all I needed right there. Come on, let's go. I got, I got vision for you, right? All right. Next, my, confess this. My God's a door opener, and I shall go boldly into the open doors God's going to give me this year. I'll leave what God's pulling me out of, and I'll go into the things God's bringing me into. Revelation 3, 7 says, God is the one who opens doors that no man can shut. And He is the one who shuts doors no man can open. God is the God that opens doors no man can shut. Amen? How many of you believe that for your life? God is the God that opens doors no man can shut. Praise God. Now, new doors sound exciting. But a lot of times, when we get new doors, we don't want to go through them because we're like, oh, no. You remember Moses said that? Oh, Lord. Wow. What about, what about Peter? Jesus goes, okay, come follow me. How many of us would be willing to do that? To go into his new door, he had to lay down everything. He doesn't know where he's going. You see, when God calls you to a new door, oftentimes you don't know how to do what you need to do to be on the other side of that door. You don't have what you need. You're not equipped. You're not trained. You're not knowledgeable. But God has opened a door. Now, when you know God's opened a door, you better not ever say, the giants are too big. I am too small. I don't know enough. I can't do it. Because I guarantee you, when God opens up a door, it is bigger than you are. And the only way you're going to be courageous enough to go through that door is to not trust in you and to go, Oh God, I don't feel like it. I don't feel like I can do it. That's way bigger than what I was thinking. But then you decide, I'm going to do it and I'm going to be bold about it. Amen? you got to be willing to do that because He's the door opener. Ninth, God's vision for my life shall come at the appointed time. God has a vision for your life. There's a destiny on your life. All you have to do is stay connected to walk it out. You just stay connected to the Lord. You'll end up where you need to be. You'll, you'll finish your race. But you got to stay connected. You all remember that verse in Habakkuk? The vision is for the appointed time and it will come and it will not delay. It's going to be there when it's supposed to be. Things are going to happen for you when they're supposed to happen. Amen? You need to declare that. You need to say boldly, well, God's vision for my life will be right on time and it will not delay and I am not going to be discouraged about it because I know God's always right on time. In my opinion, sometimes He's late, but I just know by faith, God's on time. And on retrospect, I'm always able to say, look, He was on time. It felt like He was late, but now I see he was right on time. God likes to be late because that's when you have to lay down your anxieties and your worries and you're like, yes. God, you got to do it this way. God, you got to do it this way. And then you go, I just trust you, God. Or you go do it yourself. 
You remember what happens when you do that? Like what King Saul did? Remember? And you remember even Abraham made a mistake and had the baby with the wrong woman? You know what I'm saying? Hey, God, you didn't do it. You're supposed to do it already. No. God's got His time. It's coming. It's going to happen. 25 years later, after God gave Abraham a promise, He says, uh, that baby's coming next year. Hey, I already had that baby. His name's Ishmael. God goes, oh, oh, no, no, no. Uh, you did that yourself in your strength. That's not what I called you to do. I called you to do something you can't do. I just want you to believe. That's all I need. Oh, what? No. This right here, I'm comfortable with this. I'm already, I've already got my heart set on this. No, no, no. I got a bigger vision for your life. You got to be willing to let go of the old vision and go to the new vision. And I tell you, that's the last thing we just say right there. You got to be willing to let go of your old vision that was you. Or maybe it was God's last season to grab hold of the new vision God's got for you. And it can come suddenly. It can come shockingly. Peter got up that morning. All he wanted was fish. He was just going to work as hard as he could. He came back that day. He'd left his old vision. He couldn't believe it. I mean, think about that. He didn't even want to go and give the effort to go out there and go fish. But by the time, by the time he'd had his encounter with God, he was willing to live everything he knew. Going into the new vision that God's got for your life is going to require that you let go of what's comfortable, that you let go of what you're used to, that you let go of everything that you know sometimes. And you step out just because you know Jesus said, follow me. You don't know how it's going to happen, but you trust and you go, he'll train me. You might go, he says, I'm going to be a fisher of men. How am I going to do that? I've never done that in my life. He's probably thinking in his mind, what does he mean by that? You know, trying to figure out, I've never done that in my life. But guess what? He stood, he stepped out and he started walking with Jesus. And when the time came, God had prepared him, hadn't he? What happened on Pentecost? He jumps up on the wall or however he did it and he preaches. I don't even think he was thinking about it. It's because he'd been flowing with God and he just, he took the moment. I bet later he goes, I can't believe I did that. One time I went downtown Durham, North Carolina to the bus station and I started preaching there and all these old people started coming around. I mean, drug addicts, prostitutes, they're all coming around there. And uh, I was just preaching, and I felt the most amazing confidence come upon me. And, I was, and it was so great, and people would be asking questions, and some of them were yelling at me and saying things, you know. And uh, there was a young guy there. He'd just given his life to the Lord. And um, after that event was over, and I'm walking back to the car, I'm going, what was I doing? I can't believe I was there with all those crazy people looking like they are getting ready to attack me. You know what I'm saying? But when I was there, the confidence of the Lord was on me somehow. And I'm going, God just trained me while I was right there. I don't even know how that happened. And that guy goes, let's go do that again. And I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't even want to do that. right. I don't even know how I just did that. God will teach you and train you if you're willing to go forward with him. And he'll bring you into places you'd have never imagined you're going. Beyond what you could have thought. If you're willing to go there and go through that door when it comes. Amen. God to open up a door. On the other side of that door is the vision that God has for you. 
God gave Peter an opportunity. It was a door. You got to be willing to go. What's on the other side of that door? Your new vision, what I'm calling you into. Amen? I believe you're going to see so many things happen in the next year, two years. Doors opening, things changing, God calling people out of one situation and environment into something absolutely different. And it's going to require faith in His people to say, God, here I am. I'm willing. And I'm not going to be like Moses who says no. I'm not going to be like others that didn't want to go. I'm going to be like Peter and say, here I am, God. I'm going to be like Isaiah says, here I am, send me. Amen? Amen. I want you to be encouraged this year. Make this a God-centered life. Make this where God goes before you this year. Your faith is what opens the doors for you, not your efforts. Yes, efforts are good. God will use your efforts, but let your faith go before you. Let your heart and your mind be connected with God. God's with me in everything that I do. Be God-focused. Let God be the first instead of the last in what you're doing. Let Him go before you instead of after what you've done. Uh, don't ask Him to bless you after you do. Ask, ask Him to go for you, before you, so that what you do is going to be blessed. Get in the Word. Let the Word of God get on the inside of you. People go, I don't have time for the Word of God. I don't have time for prayer. Let me tell you, your life would be so much easier and so much better if you would prioritize God first. Watch what happens, amen? Put God first this year and watch what happens to your life. Con confess these words. If you need them, we can get them sent to you. But um, trust God, amen? Amen. Why don't you just stand to your feet? Father, we commit ourselves to you today, Lord, and we pray you bless us. God, we want you, Lord, we want your blessing. We want to overcome. Lord, we want to live lives full of joy and victory and promise. Lord, we don't want to live under the, the devil's power who's always trying to wear us out and make us weary and make us tired, make us want to give up, uh, make us want to stop. Lord, we just make a decision today. We're not going to listen to that. We're going forward. We're going to overcome even as your word says, because we are overcomers and the spirit of God lives on the inside of us. So God, we're not going to back up. We're going to press into God. And Lord, we're not going to look to ourselves. We're not going to look how strong we are or how weak we are either. We're going to say, through God, I shall mightily. Through God, I shall put my foot on the neck of my enemies. Through God, I shall rise up and go forward. Through God, I shall move mountains that are in my way. I shall speak to them, be moved, and they shall be moved through the power of God. So, Lord, we thank you, Lord. We have been made victorious. We break off the fear. We break off the doubt. We break off negativity. We break off wrong thinking. And, God, we align ourselves with the God of all power and might today that with, with whom all things are possible. Lord, in our mind, we're just saying that. And, God, we don't fear anything. We're not afraid of anything. We're not afraid of the new. And we just say, Lord, bring it on. God, by grace, we're going to step into it and we're going to see it explode in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.